Welcome to Return of the Hack, the discussion series that brings you cyber stories behind the technology. I'm your host, Neil Langridge, and today I'm joined by Simon Walsh of Trend Micro. We explore the ransomware threat to global supply chains, with the latest research showing the huge impact ransomware has in exploiting this fundamental part of how we work today. Hi everybody, I'm Neil Langridge from E92 Plus and welcome to the latest in our video interview series. Uh, today I'm joined by Simon Walsh, who's a cybersecurity architect at Trend Micro. Hi Simon, nice for you to join us. Hi Neil, thanks for taking the time to talk today. Brilliant. So in terms of the topic that we're going to cover today, we'll cover quite a broad area around cybersecurity, but uh, in particular, we're going to take a look at ransomware, in particular around supply chain attacks. So um, there's recently been some uh, research being commissioned by Trend with an uh, independent research company. Um, yeah. Supply chain attacks is definitely a kind of a big area that we're hearing a lot about and definitely part of the trend of organizations to look a little bit broader beyond just their own network around the challenges that are facing them on cybersecurity. So uh, yeah, Simon, if you kind of want to give us a little bit of background as to, you know, the, the research itself and uh, and also what you're doing at Trend. Yeah, so, well, what I do at Trend, so um, I am a cybersecurity architect, as you said. Um, my role is primarily helping organizations um, kind of in increase their security posture, just recommendations around same. Uh, I'm based in Cork in Ireland, where Trend Micro have their European Operations Centre. I've been working for Trend for, for 12 years, about 20 years in the industry in, in total. Um, so, yeah, I've been, been around the block. Um, in terms of the research, as you said, very topical. Ransomware is and has been and will more than likely continue to be very topical. Um, there's no end in sight because it's, it's a successful business model. It's a very lucrative business model. Um, supply chain is not new. I mean, supply chain is a term which was coined in 1948. Um, supply chain attacks. I mean, the big one was, uh, the first kind of big one I was aware of was, was Target, which was way back, well, way back in, in 2013. There've been a lot of um, more recent attacks, including over the past couple of months. We, we might get to those later. Um, but but yeah, so I'm kind of joining the two is uh yeah as i said it's it's kind of very topical so so we did some research within trend micro um we spoke to close to 3000 it kind of uh, kind of decision makers across close to 30 countries i think it's 27 28 countries globally and really was just asking them questions about how you know about their supply chains you know are, are they aware of the, the the their supply chains who they are what they are um, kind of what they do around managing their supply chains and obviously specifically around cyber uh, and, and even more specifically around ransomware. So so the research was done, it was, was published, um, I think at the beginning of last month. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. Um, a, a few surprises, um, a, a few of the stuff you, you, you would certainly expect, like if you look at the results of the report the vast majority of, of organizations or of, of people we, we spoke to, they confirmed that the presence of a supply chain um, would obviously increase their, their I suppose, risk and increase their chances of being hit by, by an attack, be it ransomware or something else. That, that would come as no surprise. Um, over the vast majority as well, we're, we're talking about um, the the presence of kind of SMBs within their supply chain. So even if they're a big organization, 
Um, the vast majority of them have SMBs within that. And why that's relevant is because SMBs are, are typically seen as a, maybe a, an easier initial attack vector, because that's obviously the way a supply chain attack would, would work. Uh, one of the pieces which, so not, not, none of that is, is particularly surprising. I, I think that the, the one thing that stood out and really surprised me uh, was there were, there were some questions in there around organizations sharing uh, kind of intel in general around attacks, you know, have they been attacked? Kind of what, 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 what are they seeing? What have they protected themselves against? What's happening within their specific vertical? And 47% and of, of people who were, were interviewed said that they were sharing threat intel kind of with people with organizations within their supply chain. And, and, and I find that surprising and, and perhaps not for the reason you think, because I would, I would, if you'd have asked me, you know, how many, how many people out of, out of a hundred would have said they, they share information, I would have said, um, I would have given you a much, much, much smaller number because the work I do primarily with organizations in the, in the UK, and that's public sector, it's private sector, it's across all verticals, it's, it's large enterprise, medium, it's SMB, it's kind of everything. The amount of organizations that I see sharing that type of threat intel, I, I would consider to be much lower, which is which is not where we need to be at all in terms of how we go about kind of managing the the risk associated with with global supply chains. Yeah, I, I, the, the, interestingly, I kind of started that target breach so so far back. I mean, obviously, then it was almost accidental. I don't think it was meant to be a deliberate supply chain back uh, attack. From what you read, it was just somebody just got lucky and then invented it in a tiny new attack vector. Yeah, I mean, they what, what was hit back then was a much. I mean, Target is a massive global organization, as you as you well know, and, and still are today. But what the attacker hit back then was a HVAC organization. So there was a much smaller organization. I think they were based in somewhere in New York and Jersey or something, and they were providing heating, ventilation, air conditioning. Uh, and what the attacker did was was breach them, and they managed to get something onto the laptop. I think of an employee who was going to end up going into a, a target, you know, office or warehouse or something like that um, to perhaps, you know, install something or, or, or try and fix some type of problem. Um, and that's obviously a jump off point because they, they get something onto that uh, HVAC employee's laptop. And then once he connects perhaps to um, to the target network, uh, then off you go. You you have an entry point in, and you can you've got access, and you can kind of go from there. So, um, yeah, that, I mean that, that that was really the big one. I think before then, as I said, I've been working in in the industry for a while, but that whole idea of of you know, and there, there were lots of names kind of at, at that time because it kind of it, it was such a massive attack. I mean, there were close to, I think, a billion uh, customer and credit card records exposed as a result of that attack and CEO, you know, CFO resignations, it was, it was a massive attack, but, you know, people were talking about, and I think trying to come up with names. I remember Island hopping was, was a name which was thrown around at the time because the attacker would get somewhere and they would then hop from that Island to maybe a bigger one and a bigger one and kind of go from there. So, so it really kind of, that, that was the first one that made the news over the last couple of years, we've had, we've had a couple of massive ones. So at the end of 2020, there was the solar winds attack. So solar winds are, you know, massive organization provide uh, software for tens, probably hundreds of thousands of customers around the world. Um, and, and the attack at that time was was incredibly smart. I mean, what the attacker pulled off was 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 amazing, but they basically infected um, the updates which were being delivered out 
to SolarWinds customers. And you have to remember that SolarWinds customers, like the, the UK government were there, the US government, you'd NATO, uh, Microsoft, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd Fortune 500 companies everywhere. So, so, you know, and it was really this idea of, of, of you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find this attack vector, we'll exploit that, and that will get us into this myriad of, of organizations, you know, and that's what they managed to do. So that, that was a big one back at the end of 2020. The year after, there was another organization, very similar, Kaseya um, yeah. is the organization. So they provide kind of um, kind of management, kind of remote management software. And again, that software was was what um, was infected and that gave the, the attacker a foothold into, I think at that stage, there were somewhere in and around a thousand organizations which were hit as a result of that, that Kaseya. Um, so it's this, you know, it's this one to many, you know, from, from an attacker's perspective, you know, uh, you know, as I said at the outset, this is, this is, this is a business model, right? This, and it's a very lucrative business model. So if you can get in there, you know, you're not just attacking one organization, you're potentially attacking, you know, tens, hundreds, even thousands of, of organizations. So it's a, it's a, it's a very, well, relatively easy way of um of of maximizing your your return on profit for the investment you're putting into that as, as an attacker it's an incredibly efficient way of going about things yeah. so you know yeah. and, the, the, and to be fair not to be fair but to, to you know to, to bad actors like that the efficiency of their operations is is going to be paramount to make sure that they make as much money as as, as they can um, Absolutely. exploit as much and get get they're looking at roi as much as everybody else's unfortunately so i suppose in terms of you know kind of where where we are from a technology and a network perspective compared to where we were at that kind of initial it kind of time back with the target breach it, you know the, the the traditional network that uh, you know a CISO or a cio might have drawn out in terms of a network plan and a diagram and, and and where they stood in their defenses it's so incredibly more interconnected now um so already they've had the challenge of not just on their own private network and drawing a nice perimeter with a firewall in front of it now they've got you know cloud you've got hybrid you've got public cloud you've got private cloud data centers everywhere but you've also got connections out with all of your you know a, a potential not just your own kind of supply chain but your customer uh, kind of um, customers that you're connected to via whether it's kind of apis or whether it's direct connections or whatever it happens to be i suppose there's that real challenge of organizations having to kind of completely revisit their entire attitude approach to risk because because it can't be done alone anymore um no, you know, they no, have to no and the depth of understanding they need to have is so much greater beyond their own their own network absolutely and i think you hit it on the head there talking about you know everything is so connected so and the, the name of the of the actual research or the name of the report is is simply everything is connected you know and we see that in all walks of life um, and, and all, not just, you know, talking about supply chain from a cyber perspective, but supply chain in, in general yeah. is, you know, has been massively affected. You know, we're living through very strange, very challenging times. You know, you've got, you've got climate, you've got COVID, you've got conflict, you know, and we've seen massive um, interruptions in terms of supply chains kind of, kind of globally, right? So it's um, it's it's very difficult, and, and a supply chain by its very nature is is incredibly nebulous. You know, it's very difficult to to describe. It would be very, I would be very surprised if you could walk into any organization and ask them, right, you draw me out a map of your supply chain, because it's it's just an incredibly difficult difficult thing to do. It's constantly changing, as you said. It's 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 everything. You know, how do you how do you how do you how do you define a supply chain? You know, it's it's people. You know, it's organizations, it's processes, it's it's technology, 
you know, it's your suppliers, it's your vendors, professional services, organizations, any type of partners, you know, it's, it's just absolutely massive. And it's, you know, it's not just, you know, you've got your, you've got your first tier relationships and your, your second tier and your third tier, but you know, it just goes on and on end tier relationships. How far do you go? You know, when it comes to trying to understand the risk surface of that supply chain, uh, and then to try and actually secure it, you know, how far down do you go? How deep do you go? So it's, you know, supplying your own, if you were a simple organization doing everything yourself, working on your own, um, defending yourself against the type of attackers and threats we see today is a very difficult thing to do full stop. But then when you expand that out to the supply chain, which is this hazy, fuzzy, undefinable thing, it's, it becomes, you know, it's exponentially more difficult, right? Yeah, I suppose it's going to it's one of those things that can help raise the profile of cybersecurity as a priority within a lot of organizations, because when they're looking at risk and strategy and who they're partnering with, they'll look at things like supply of goods. If they're a manufacturing, they'll look at just in time. They'll look at the financial integrity of their suppliers and yeah. you know, who they're going to be working with in terms of customers. Cybersecurity hasn't necessarily been on that list, but I think now probably that's going to be kind of quite integral. So when organizations are evaluating their partners, they're going to be asking a lot more demanding questions around what their cybersecurity posture is. And I suppose a lot of organizations are probably not in a very good place to be able to share that information. Because I think one of the challenges we've always had around cybersecurity and around culture, we, we come at it in many ways when we talk about uh, security awareness training within organizations and having an open and transparent cybersecurity culture is very difficult because you can look at a kind of macro level and, you know, kind of an organization size of target working with their supply chains. But even if we take it down to an individual level and sharing information, if you or me clicked on a link, we don't want to tell anybody else we clicked on the link that we definitely shouldn't have clicked on. People feel embarrassed about that. And there's that that fear of, of, of yeah. sharing too much and also not having the right kind of model to be able to share. So is that is organizations not just having a look at their risk posture and their supplier network, but also understanding how they can share that threat intelligence and what their posture is and what their policy is in a safe and secure yeah. way organizations they want to work with. Yeah, and it, it, it is difficult. And that's like, if, if I look at what, what it, well, I, I suppose two, two ways of, of looking at it in terms of what I see out there with the organizations I'm working with, and then secondly, what we're doing internally within within trend but but what what i what i do see happening which is good uh, and should absolutely be happening and should continue to happen is this um kind of risk assessment of of organizations you're working with so you know i'll, I'll give you a simple example so so trend micro are a vendor we're providing software we're providing hardware we're providing services to to potential customers so you know what i've seen over the Kind of last two years specifically and it's it's increasing it's accelerating all the time is you know if an organization comes to us and we 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 end up deciding yet yeah, we're going to you know you're going to purchase this software this service this hardware whatever it may be from a let's say from a kind of a pre-sales perspective a lot of the work we have to do is answering questions for that organization so they will ask us okay yeah we like your software we're going to buy that that's fine well, you need to tell us, okay, what, what are your security policies within Trend Micro as an organization? You know, what, who, who's running the show? You know, do you have an InfoSec team? Do you have an internal SOC? Do you have a data protection officer? All those types of questions. And, and you know, it, it can expand out to, you know, I end up often, I'm talking to HR about our, about our people policies, you know, and you're talking to your legal team, you're talking to your risk team, 
you're talking to all these people within trend uh, and and to, so we can gather all of this information and, and deliver it to, to the organization so they can say yeah you know what when it comes to working with trend we're happy to do so because it seems like they have their house in order when it comes to a general you know idea of securing their business not just from an it perspective but in but in general so so I do see a lot of that. It's rare now that, um, as I said, not just in terms of us doing business with organizations, but also third party organizations who are doing business with others. So so I do see a lot of that at the moment. And I think that's that has to continue. That has to accelerate because it's one of the only things you can do in preparation is, is to understand how secure or not uh, another organization is. And, and there's all sorts of other things as well. You know, we see organizations looking at the geopolitical situation now as well, where, you know, and certainly the way things are at the moment, you know, well, perhaps we don't want to do business with that specific organization because, uh, you know, where they are in the world or, or who they have partnerships with or associations that that's taking into as well. So so I do see a lot of that out there, which is which is good. But I think when it comes in general to kind of securing the supply chain, that's probably the only thing I, I see happening. The, the other kind of, I think, big piece of the puzzle which is missing, and this comes back to what I mentioned regarding the report, where 47% of organizations saying they said they were sharing information with their supply chain. From a real-world perspective, that's that's just not not what I'm seeing. I think that number, I would put that number far, far, far lower, and that's something which which needs to change. Um, I can like one kind of example when um, you know we were talking about ransomware um, and the supply chain. So the HSE, the the Health Service Executive in Ireland which was brought to its knees last year by the by the Conti ransomware group. We, we were we were intricately in, involved and, and I was intricately involved in a lot of that because I'm, I'm in Ireland and I have relationships with a lot of the, the hospitals. Um, and, and when that kind of kicked off, I know talking to a lot of the hospitals, that, that was one of the big questions they had is, where can we get this input of information in terms of what we need to be looking for? Or, or flip the coin and say, how can we share this information in some type of programmatic way with um you know with our peers up the chain down the chain you know and and there were there were no processes in place there was no understanding in place there was no technology in place to allow them to quickly share that information and, and help each other you know so it, it, that is changing but as i said very very slowly one of the good things i think is that any any of the newer technologies specifically around cyber has that type of model in mind where you can very easily kind of share information. And that comes in terms of, of consuming that, which might be coming from, you know, the NCSE, it might be coming from, you know, third party kind of malware platforms. It might be coming from other vendors. It could be coming from your suppliers, from partners, but the technology, any newer kind of technology will generally allow you to, to both consume and to kind of produce that, that type of content and share it. Um, a lot easier than it was even even 12 kind of months ago, two years ago. So I think that that's a positive development um, and, and something that that needs to needs to grow is not enough for doing it. But I, I do expect a lot more organizations to start doing that soon. Yeah, it's definitely something that we've seen a lot in the vendor vendor partnerships we have where more technology organizations such as yourselves are opening up those connections and working, yep. you know, working to provide more of a cybersecurity ecosystem. Um, and having more open platforms, which I think is a, is essential. And I think the next step is kind of taking that, you know, taking that a little bit further and how organizations can share some of that intel. The, the, the challenge on the, the flip side is a lot of organizations are using technology 
um, outside of cybersecurity, whether it's marketing automation, whether it's business processing, whether it's HR connecting to other systems to drive automation within their own business and drive productivity. But is that presenting more challenges that sometimes organizations don't literally don't have a view of their entire attack surface because because so much technology and especially cloud services is is built on those APIs and those integrations. Yeah. How far do you how, how big is the spider's web? I think some you know it's very well, difficult. This, yeah, exactly. How deep do you go? Right? How deep do you yeah. go? It's 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 impossible. I mean, a very a very good example in terms of like like you you can ask as I said you can ask you know you're you're buying into a cloud service you can go and ask the cloud provider you know to tick all these boxes you know and that that's fine but there there's I said there's all of these you know other connections out there a lot of which is gray area perhaps unknown o open open source software is a very good example of that um, and one of the things so at the end so December last year. Uh, there was the whole Log4j incident, uh, and Log4j is, as the name would suggest, it's a it's, a, well, it's an open source piece of Java software, which kind of facilitates various um, logging capabilities. So it's it's you know it's it's used at the time when this kind of whole breach at the headlines. I mean, there were many 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 millions of computers out there running it, but. When that hit the headlines, you know, and that became one of these kind of celebrity vulnerabilities with its own logo and everything else, which which we see happening more and more. But when that hit the headlines, I've never seen such a scramble by organizations to try and understand, do we have this within our environment? And that was for many organizations, it was impossible. They simply they didn't know if it was there, first of all, because why would we care about that? It's an open source component. If we have a developer building some type of custom application, you know, he's, you know, the vast majority of that kind of custom piecemeal software is pieced together by open source components and joining them together, you know, so, but, but many organizations certainly at that time didn't care about that. So they didn't know, were they susceptible to that vulnerability? Is this something we need to care about? Is this something we need to do something about? Now that has changed since. And again, from a technology perspective, it is a lot easier now to perhaps plug something in to your kind of to your development pipeline and have that look for those kind of open source vulnerabilities. But it's still it's still a fairly, I would say, yeah, that that, that practice. The technology is is quite mature at this age, but the, the practice of doing it is quite immature. Um, and it's again, it's it's rare that I would see a lot of organisations who would be able to say, yes, we have this component you know, sitting in these applications, in these parts of the business, we know which version it's on, uh, we know we're safe and we can move on, you know. So yeah, that was that was a very, very difficult thing for, for many organizations to deal with at that time. Yeah, it, it was also quite unfortunately all kind of maybe specifically times in terms of a period where um, a lot of people weren't working and therefore Indeed. They struggled to be able to, yeah, just get a handle on it or, or find the right people to be able to talk to. So I think it, it wasn't just the, the immediacy of the attack. It was also struggling to be able to get the information that people people really yeah. need to be able to deal yeah. with it effectively. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it is. And attackers are known to, to do that, of course. You know, they like pulling <laughs> yeah. the trigger in the middle of the night or late on a Friday afternoon. You think about WannaCry, I still... I can still see myself that when 2017 still see myself late Friday afternoon getting ready to kind of shut things down yeah. and then that all kicked off. I know we, we see the same look there, you know, again, it's back to, as you said, the efficiency, right? We're not yeah. going to do it on, you know, 
you know, 10 o'clock in the morning when everyone's got their eyes on the screen and they're, they're watching for this type of stuff. Let, let's be smart about this, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So also some of the areas in terms of the, the report and also the, the approach that organisations maybe need to take in terms of that disclosure of understanding when something happens. I think, you know, I think there's general acceptance. We need to understand that we all need to have important post-breach planning. Um, yeah. it, it always feels very negative to say it's a question of uh, when not rather than if, but the likelihood is most organisations potentially will get compromised and making sure that plan is in place. It, there still seems to be that challenge of organisations knowing when that happens, when they ha whether they have been breached or not, and also what then does happen in terms of those next steps around disclosure. And again, that feeds into what they say to their supply chain, what they say to their yeah. customers and their suppliers and their partner, and, and still having that, that fear and that embarrassment, because it still it goes back to that thing of nobody wants to necessarily say when something goes bad. But the reality is by holding that, withholding that information, you are potentially extrapolating the potential threat and, you know, kind of risk factor because other people might have been compromised and won't then know about it either that your, yeah, your systems yeah. are connected to. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely a problem. I think things like GDPR have helped with that because you yeah. are given a time frame, you know, and I think when it comes to big, you know, you're talking about kind of culture there, when it comes to those big cultural changes, a lot of the time that needs to be driven by by policy, you know, which 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 has happened and we do see a lot more disclosures around kind of breaches in general. But the other thing I, I'd say is like, if you look at ransomware specifically, one of, one of the, like ransomware when it, well, back in the what, mid late two thousands, when ransomware first hit, um, it was, it was a much, much simpler type of attack than it is now. As in the attacker would get in, they'd encrypt your systems, they're unavailable, you can't work, you need to pay us money, and we all we all go about our business. But, you know, so, so that was kind of one way of extorting. But now we're looking at double, triple, quadruple extortion, where, you know, they're not just going to come in and, and encrypt your data, they're also going to exfiltrate, steal your data. Um, they're also going to perform, you know, uh, distributed denial of service attacks against your organization. They're then going to go, you know, you're onto the fourth level there, where they'll start going after customers, partners, and that's when, and the reason I'm mentioning that is because that's when the choice of you as an organization telling people you've been breached, that, that's when that choice is taken away from you. Yeah, yeah. And you, you lose all control and that's that's getting yourself potentially into a heap of trouble, right? Because at least if you have that process in place, and as you said, it's, it's all about that process. You know, I, I a colleague of mine I work with, she, she reached out to me on Tuesday, Wednesday this week, and she was, uh, she just said, she said, my husband works for a company about a thousand employees, they've just been ransomed. Um, oh. Any idea what, 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 what can trend help in any way? Like we have an incident response team which could come in and, and blah, blah, blah. But the point was they had, they were absolutely unprepared for this. And she said yeah. they were just scrambling. They had no idea what to do. So, but, but that's, that's a, and that's something maybe not people think about is if, if you, if you don't get a handle on this, if you don't manage that communication, then unfortunately the attacker is very likely to do that for you. And, and that's not going to be a pretty at all, you know, and, and that could lean, you know, talking about things like, like GDPR, that could lead to fines then because you've had your 72 hours, you didn't tell anyone. And now the attacker has just published all that information. So even, even this week, there was, um, uh, is it a Tata Power, which is part of that, the obviously multinational conglomerate, uh, Tata, Tata Global, I think they're, they're called. And Tata Power is the biggest supplier of uh, power in India. And um, they were ransomed early this week. The, the Reval is the name of the, the attack group. 
very, very famous. And they hit them and apparently they went into ransomware negotiations, which apparently failed because I think it was on Wednesday or Thursday this week, you know, some of the data, which again, they hadn't just gone in and encrypted, they'd also stolen data. Um, and some of that data they'd stolen, they actually started to publish, you know, so, you know, it's, again, you just start to lose control. And, you know, if you're your customers, your partners, it's not just your data, it's potentially their data, which is which is being stolen, which is going to be published then. So, yeah, it's a it's a heap of uh, it's a heap of trouble yeah, for sure. It is. I suppose it's different if you're a consumer, but certainly as a business, that kind of shows that you need to have that as part of your planning. So it's not just kind of going down the chain. If you lose your cost, so you know an organisation gets compromised, they potentially um, you know the ransom where organization comes and encrypts the data, threatens to release it from an extortion perspective, that can go down the chain of your data being released. But actually, if you go up the chain, then you're kind of, you need to understand from, have a worst, have a worst case scenario, have business planning in place that if your suppliers get breached, then what's going to happen to your data? And I suppose, you know, that should encourage the, you know, greater cooperation because regardless yes. of whether, it doesn't matter whether these things come down, it doesn't matter whose fault it is everyone's potentially going to suffer if they're everyone's potentially together. affected yeah. so it encourages everybody to work together hopefully to be able to address those challenges hopefully hopefully I, I look i think it's i think it's the next i think it's the next kind of big thing in terms of of as in working together because you know the, the technology can go so far you know as i said we, we do see a lot of organizations out there doing this kind of you know audit of potential suppliers and you know risk kind of checking of potential suppliers, but, and that's all fine, but that, that's like a pre kind of partnership thing almost. Now it does happen continuously. We do see organizations coming back and saying, you know, every 12 months, every two years, we're going to go, have to go through this process again. That's, that's just due diligence, diligence that that's fine. But I think in terms of, as you said, kind of sharing information, kind of when you're in the middle of that supply chain, that's something which needs, it's, it's all about that. That's what we need to see more of. I think if if organizations are gonna gonna have any type of hope of kind of protecting themselves against these type of attacks, you know. Yeah, and I think as a as a you know, the, the channel that we work in in terms of distribution and resellers and partners, there's you know, that's kind of pretty well established, but there is much more discussion around ecosystems, around more, rather than having kind of linear supply chains, it's more about kind of going broader and having more connections. I think that's possibly, is that, you know, kind of building up an ecosystem, building up kind of trusted working groups and, you know, kind of yeah. enabling a platform like that to enable more sharing is, are those the sort of steps that we're going to see more kind of CISOs and kind of, you know, cybersecurity teams doing to be able to kind of pool and share that that knowledge as well as having business processes in place yeah I, I hope so that's certainly kind of what what we're recommending um so yeah that, that's what we'd like to see happening but look you know it's it's many organizations as we said earlier are struggling with their own security so you know you know depending again on on the vertical you're in you know if you're if you're if you're public sector you know you could be struggling to to you know in terms of in terms of buy-in you know, in terms of in terms of budget and and just in terms of time, you know, I, I see a lot of people in the public sector who are tasked with securing, you know, hospital or whatever it may be, um, and they they they're, they're simply struggling to do that. Let alone have the time and the the, the buy-in to go and do something like you're suggesting. You know, so yes, it should happen. Will it happen? Yeah. Well, 
time time will tell right hopefully and especially with people having kind of you know there's less capacity people are struggling around getting enough qualified and skilled people in i think that's where the where partners can come in in terms of providing those kind of managed services when you know talk about being able to provide that expertise uh, to their customers but actually providing a platform to be able to share some of that information and knowledge as well and i think we yeah. probably need to we probably need to you know that that culture of transparency and openness i think needs to extend yeah definitely far beyond the technology because i think there are definitely going to be benefits to organizations kind of far beyond that but it's it it, it does i don't think it feels natural especially when you're talking yeah. about things yeah. like kind of cybersecurity and risk the your your instinct is to kind of you know kind of be quite careful and cautious around it but this yes. is this is a way to yeah. I think kind of drive that transparency and openness and you kind of change the culture a little bit that way because no it's it's it's, it's, it's a good point themselves. yeah no it's a that, that that's a really good point that the cultural change I think yeah you're talking about kind of providing managed services and you know p partners as well I think have a have a role to play just around education I think firstly yeah. and then secondly I mean we we you're right we do see a lot more involvement from from partners in terms of a general kind of uh, i suppose just in terms of general cyber around organizations i mean and that could be a partner coming in to do you know an installation they could be a partner coming in to do a health check you know it could be a partner providing as you said a managed service around you know a sock or something like that so there is a lot more involvement there um which produces its own challenges because obviously then that partner becomes part of the, of the supply chain you need to understand their risk um but as you said they can also serve maybe as a as a kind of a facilitator or an enabler for that broader conversation around what what, what we should be doing here you know yeah absolutely well uh, we, i think we're just kind of coming up to the end of it so it's been absolutely fantastic speaking to you i think one thing would kind of good to end on if you were kind of speaking to an organization in terms of you know, kind of one takeaway that they'd had from today or one thing that you would advise them would be the, the first thing they need to do as soon as they finish listening here in terms of what should they look at in terms of their, their cybersecurity strategy or their posture in terms of a, a kind of a simple action point to be able to, to kind of move towards a, a more secure uh, supply chain. So, so okay, so, so I, I was at an, actually an event, a healthcare event in the UK last week um, when we were talking about exactly this and and... I had two takeaways for the audience there. One, one focused more on general security posture. Um, and the advice there was that continuous human expert monitoring of security related activity within an organization is, is, is a must. Okay, now, so organizations there have, have two choices, right? You can build up that type of expertise, that type of facility in-house, which is maybe fine if you're a bank, you're a Fortune 500, you've got people, you've got skills, you've got you've got budget. But what we're seeing more and more of is organizations turning to to outsourcing that basically. But it's 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 absolutely fundamental that the days where you would get a security technology, you would install it, you would configure it, and you would leave it do its job, and that would keep you safe are unfortunately long gone because Attackers are much smarter. They've much, many, many, many more tools at their disposal, at their dis disposal. Um, and they will find a way to get in. You know, as you said earlier, it's, it's, you know, it might seem negative, but it's not if it's, it's when, you know, so you have to have, you have to have someone watching what's happening within your organization and that that's absolutely fundamental. And I, I I've seen it save people 
where, you know, their own internal sock, their external sock sees something that's an early warning of something which is potentially going to happen. And they're alerted to that fact and they do something about it and they essentially save themselves from that. So, so, so that's the first bit. And that's a general bit of advice around, I think, security posture in general. And the second thing, which, which I mentioned in this, uh, at this event last week and was specifically around global supply chain is just to share um, knowledge. Simple as that. Because as I said, it's, I think it comes down to those two things. One is the, um, is the kind of risk assessment, the, almost like the paperwork. With, with potential suppliers, with potential partners, where, where you get an understanding of how secure they are, at least on paper. And that's fine, that's being done, we're seeing more and more of it. But as, as we've spoken about during this session, this whole idea of sharing information between organizations, between people within supply chains, that's, that, that's the one thing I've mentioned, that we need to see a lot more of that if we're gonna kind of beat this, you know. That's brilliant. Well, thank you very much for, for joining us today to, to run through that all. For everybody, we'll share the links to the report and all the findings from it um, with everyone who subscribed a little bit below. But for today, Simon, thank you very much. Thank you, Neil, for your time. Enjoyed it very much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.